Peace and power, people. Welcome back to the Justice Journey podcast. I'm so happy to have here with me an amazing woman. This sis is a doctor of a different sort. And I met her at an event where she had conceived of connecting athletes to our history. And the, the, the concept was so like, it's one of those things where it's obvious, but nobody had done it, so it's brilliant. And I, 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 I can't wait with her because she literally created something out of nothing. Uh, and I suspect, I don't know, but I suspect she's been doing that all her life. So let's jump in. Hey, sis, Hello. how you doing? Hi. Um, thank you for joining us. Tell the people about yourself. Okay, my name is Doritha Walker. And as you said, I'm a doctor of a dis different sort. I have a PhD in public policy and administration. And what that means is that I study how institutions and organizations and the public interact with various government governance uh, structures. And it's about the evaluation and the impact of policies on our daily lives. Mm -hmm. This includes agenda setting, it includes how do we get policies changed, the impact of policies and all sorts of other kinds of stuff. That actually is so timely now when, you know, host and everybody's jumping on the Black Lives Matter movement, but I see it as people doing it in a very, well, some institutions doing it in a very superficial, pandering sort of way. The, the signs, the murals, the, the thoughts and the prayers. You know, we've been down this road before. There was a slew of Martin Luther King boulevards that were created after Dr. King died but yet no policy changes. How, how do you see that showing up? I, I mean, I, I agree with you. And then also what really irritates me are, are all these emails that we're getting from companies that mm -hmm. are not really addressing it. I mean, I got an email that just yeah. was like, okay, all lives matter, love and light. And I, I told someone, I was like, stop <sighs> loving and lighting me. I do enough damn yoga. Love and light is not the answer right now. <laughs> And it's really interesting because I, growing up, I was one that, I mean, I would do stuff. I think I've been an activist my whole life, but I did it in a way to make people feel comfortable. I'm like, that mm -hmm. shit's done. No more. I am in your face. I am all over. I am not trying to make you feel comfortable. And I get it. I, I never should have done it before. But, you know, as we grow, we try to figure out how do we fit in and how do we affect change the best way we know how. And I just thought that if I was made you feel comfortable, then that would work. But nah, that's over. So you don't feel like uh, working with allies and you're being in um, the public arena, the policy arena. So I'm sure you interact with tons of government agencies. And then, of course, you're in the so-called Ivory Tower being in, in, in education. You're surrounded by the so-called well-meaning, so-called I'm one of the good ones, so-called I'm an ally. I, I, what have you, well, or I'm assuming yes, you are. But I, I, Is that I'm right? still working with allies, but now I'm not, okay, let me, let, let's kumbaya, let's run the, the, the fire and work this out. I'm like, no, this is what needs to happen. No, you need to listen to me. I don't soften my words anymore. I don't 
do the politically correct thing anymore. I'm like, I'm here. If you want to talk to me, talk to me about this. I'm not interested in, in all lives matter. I'm not interested in your, you know, your flowery words. I'm not interested in that anymore. Now it's time. Now this is what needs to happen. And you need to listen to me. And this is how it needs to be done. So we had a little gap, I think. And just to be clear, I want you to say that one more time for the folks in the back. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, I know I could tell you were on a, 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 a inspirational and, 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 and uh, adrenaline-driven rant, so it's hard to recapture that. But I also have seen, like I've seen in your words, how that's changed. So, so say it one more time for the folks in the back. <laughs> I will say that I was brought up to, I mean, I was a bossy little brown girl. I mean, there's no getting around that, but uh -huh. somewhere along the way to be black, you had to soften yourself and you had to just play along to get along or whatever, however that was. And I did that for a uh -huh. while. And then one day I just woke up and was like, hell no. Now I'm not mm -hmm. interested in all lives matter right now. I'm mm -hmm. not interested in blending in. I'm not interested in being tone policed. I'm not interested in doing any of that. I am here. If you want to talk about it, let's talk about it, but let's not sugarcoat it. Let's not, not, we're not singing Kumbaya. We're getting to the, we're getting to the point. We need to talk about black lives matter right now, right here. I'm not interested in any of that other stuff that you want to throw at me. Do you feel like that code switching life that that um, um, veiled existence was what you had to do to become the PhD that you are and to achieve the level of so-called prominence or I'm air quoting success because obviously success can mean a whole bunch of things, but to get into the position where you are now, do you feel like that was necessary or do you feel like you were told it was necessary and bought the bought the bought the narrative but looking back do you think that you could have or should have done anything different I don't know that I was ever told that I just think I was around people that did that because I remember mm -hmm. that growing up I wanted to be Angela Davis not be like Angela Davis I wanted to be Angela Davis and I don't know why I right. thought that was possible. My mom kept saying, you cannot be Angela Davis. She's a, you know, Angela Davis is Angela Davis. You can never be her. But I wanted to be her. And I cried when my mom told me I could not be her. Um, wow. And, you know, when you're little, you don't understand that you don't turn into people. So I always like uh -huh. she, she was always my inspiration, but kind of hidden because my mom's like you know she was on the fbi's most wanted list and to me that was like yeah that was ass right but back then people uh -huh. were like no 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 we're just gonna be quiet malcolm x was somebody good that we should aspire to be it was all the whole non-violence part and you know when it was after you know it was black history month there were like the three black people that we ever talked about so i wasn't and then I went to integrated schools my whole life. So I wasn't ever around the people who were like, in your face, this is how it is. You can't look past me. I'm not going to let you. And this is how it's going to be. I was never around those people. Wow. My last guest had a similar experience. He called his parents the, the Martin Luther King parents. 
and and it was all about that you know that narrative of be twice as good to yes. get half as much and the respectability yes. and if you educate yourself speak uh, have your diction be clear and hold your head up that you know that's how we will ch- achieve as people and here we are i i was telling somebody the other day my dad was born in 1920 the year of the red summer and here it is 2020 and we're in the same spot despite all that achievement and love uplift and education so apparently it's going to take something else <laughs> i think you're 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 absolutely right it's going to take something else but was what one of the turning points for me is my parents are friends with this guy named edward wood and edward wood is in anniston alabama where the freedom riders were and he was part okay. of that. So my parents took me over to his, my dad took me over to his house and I was talking to him and he's like, yeah, you know, I was, you know, I was behind the bus and he was talking about all this. And he said, and then one day I called Martin and I said, Martin, he goes, yeah, I called Martin. And I'm thinking, who the hell is Martin? Wow. Because I don't think of oh Martin as Martin Luther King. I don't think of him. I think it's like right. <laughs> Dr. Martin Luther King Dr. Jr. You're like, you're on, you're yes. saying Martin? First name basis, crazy. It, said, wow. Who's Martin? And he said, oh, come on. Don't tell me you didn't learn that in school. I'm like, learn about who? He's like, Martin Luther King Jr. I was like, oh, but that's he's not Martin to me. <laughs> he's like Dr. King. Right, right. So he said. He's on this pedestal. Right? And he said, well, yeah, I called Martin. And I told Martin that I had a rifle in my in my car. And that if anybody came up to me, I was going to I was going to shoot him. So this nonviolence thing is fine, but that's not what I'm about. And he said, Martin told me that there's room in this movement for everybody. And when he told me that, because I hadn't ever heard that part. Wow. Of course not. That's not the narrative they want to portray. I did. They want the past. Yes. So when he said that to me, all of a sudden, and this is from someone who called Martin. Like I called Martin. Yes. Yeah. Barbara's in Birmingham. And so when he said that to me, I was like, okay, everything I ever learned just went crashing down. So then now I'm like, okay, mm. now I got to figure out there's, uh, you know, there's other stuff out there, but I wasn't told all the other stuff. You know, and, and we know that that, like, it's so funny how now when the writers were, oh, well, you know, Dr. King changed the world and never filed a shot. I'm like, you all hated Dr. King. Dr. King was the radical of those times and he induced violence that came from you. So it was violence that changed it. It was just coming from you. And, and, and it's so funny how, you know, you're a historian and you know how historians switch the narrative to attain a political goal. So we have been fed this lie of needing to code switch and needing to uh, shut down in order to be accepted. So therefore, like the five civilized tribes, if you would just be civilized, we'll accept you and everything will be Mm -hmm. good. But then they got marching orders on the trail of tears. So I, you know, one of my questions I'll ask is how have your feelings about being black evolved and you've already answered it. This evolution is powerful. So let me ask you this. Since you have created, you know, you're 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 a you're a person that's always in creative mode. You know, some people are in existence mode, but one of the things I love about you is you're always in creative mode. Even, you know, our little inside joke about your crazy recipes, <laughs> you always <laughs> so there's some people that are feeling stuck and helpless and 
and like, damn, we're doing this mess again. There's no hope. And what do you tell those folks that are stuck in existence and survival mode? What, what, what would you say to them? I say stand up and be counted. I mean, I say this to my students all the time. We can all be activists and activism doesn't mean that you're burning down a building or that you're, you know, you're climbing up and you're taking down a fly. It just means that you're holding space for other people. So what is that you can do Mm. in your community to hold space for other people so that people can get that rest? They can recharge. What is it that you're doing? Mm. And and that's easier to do than to do what you and I do. I mean, you know, it's it's just easier. Right. Equally necessary. Equally necessary. I just was on my morning meditation. Um, you know how they say, they say, put on your oxygen mask yes. first. And it's like, it's impossible to change anyone else. You can only change yourself, but you have to go back and recharge to keep that change steady. Yes. And if the people around you are constantly, you know, about the negative and about what can't be done, you are drained. So that, that, that activism, is probably more powerful than the folks that are leading the charge. It's like having the, you know, you can't have an army without a supply chain. And and, and, and most good generals know that if you disrupt the supply chain, that's the end of the daggone war. Exactly. So I love that. That is fantastic. Because as you saw, it happened to me on Facebook. I had to like too many triggers. I'm like, peace out. I got to go. I've got to go. Yeah. And that was humbling for me because I generally don't do that. I'm generally the one that's always holding space while marching forward. Mm -hmm. And then when I crashed, Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, get away. Because anybody that comes in my in my circle right now, when I'm like this, you are going to get your feelings hurt. Do you have a do you have a circle that holds you up? Do you have a go-to? I forgot that. I I mean, they were there. They were always there. But I'm so, Uh you know. I always say I'm what what happens when a bossy little brown girl is encouraged to thrive. So I was like bossy, you know, I was still doing all that. And then when I crashed, it was really interesting because when I crashed, I was like, peace out. There were people uh-huh. who didn't even, who I know on Facebook, but I don't know who were like, okay, uh-huh. what do you need from me? What can we do? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it, it was, it was beautiful because I was like, okay, I'm just in this space. I cannot, I can't, you know, the whole, I don't want to sound trite, but it was like, I couldn't breathe. And yeah. And people were like, okay, what do we need to do? Where are you? What do you need right now? People I hadn't spoken to in a long time were calling me saying, all right, we're going to bring food over. We're going to bring, what do you need? And so that was a beautiful right. thing. And it was humbling for me because I'm always one, like I said, you know, we're, we're moving forward get out of my way but then I was like okay I can't yeah. and I think it was the Aubrey you know the um Ahmad Aubrey guy um yeah. Brianna Taylor yeah. I think yeah George Just, Floyd. Yeah, and, then, bam, and even bam. from you know like like you said like from before all that I think George Floyd George Floyd was just the one I was like, okay, I'm really done. I can't and I'm an empath so I soak all that in. I just couldn't do it anymore. Right. You know, this will lead into another topic that's near and dear to my heart, and that's the the the, the myth of the strong black woman. 
and <laughs> that's you and how that is such a trap for us. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. we, we are, we, we have the Eve gene. We have built this whole damn country to this day. You know, black women are just excelling in education and entrepreneurship, but yet we're the most vilified and yet we still power on. Um, and it's such a trap to suck into that mythology because it doesn't allow you to reach out to your circle. And then, you know, you, you, you do get worn out and, and you do get your vibration goes in the toilet. So for all the so-called strong back women and all the bossy brown girls that look at my, my daughter has a sign on her door that says, I'm not bossy. I just have better right, ideas. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I raised three of those same people. It's like a self-creating mythology that, you know, you got to have your shit together because nobody's got your back. Right. So, you know, you're going to do this. And, and, and we teach our kids that and, and it becomes exhausting and we push away help. And that whole like so then you take that and you like capitalism is about this lie of individualism and meritocracy. And it's a lie. We're all community made when a trillionaire tells you we are you know, Richard Smith, what did he tell Morehouse? We are all community made. Mm -hmm. You know you need to sit up and listen. So how do you move in your world now that you've had that experience? What are you going to do that, that, that will allow you to let that in and be vulnerable? And, and, and I'm saying this, I'm almost talking to myself because you know me, I'm the oh, same damn way. That's how we connected. <laughs> um, what, what I do now is when I start to feel that way um, I, I just say okay uh -huh. you know I, I had to reinforce or not reinforce but establish boundaries for my personal space I mean I already have a pretty small circle but I had to establish boundaries and that's even with my students because the thing that triggered me to go mm. into a spiral was the the class that I had after the after George Floyd's murder I have black men in my class and again we're doing it via go to meeting. Oh. I have black men in my class saying, okay, Dr. Walker, what now? What are we supposed to What's do? What's the point? This is what I'm feeling. This, and, and then so for them, I'm like, okay, let's breathe. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Let's figure out some solutions. And they look to me for that. And then not only just my black students, but my white students were too like, okay, what, you know, what do we need to do? And so I took all that on too. So now I, I say, you know, we need to talk about that, but let's do it another time. So that gives me time to like breathe or go for a walk or go do some more yoga or do something. So I learned I have to protect myself. Granted, I have people yeah. that will help me, but the first rule is like, okay, like what do they say? Knowing you, knowing you have a problem is, is the first step. And I was like, okay, I got to right. back up. I can't take this on. And learning to say no, learning to say yes. no. And learning to say yes to things yes. that I really want to do. You know, what's funny. It's like I, 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 I'm listening to you and I can just get inside the cogs of your brain and they're sitting there looking at you for the answer. Yes. And like I say, in the trailer to this podcast, there is no answer. Yes. There's a million answers and, and they come from each one of us, but we can't hear them if we don't ask each other for help. Mm -hmm. And we don't say no freaking clue. Um, and not what am I going to do, but what are we going to do? And, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast. So that like all these different voices and all these different 
um, coping mechanisms and all these different answers can come out in the, you know, in the wash. So yeah, I, it's crazy how something so horrible can make us evolve as humans. If we're paying attention. But I think that's what's happening. If we're paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. And I think COVID helped this out because people were sitting around Mm -hmm. and they had time to do that. Mm Because somebody came into my office and there was an email that came out. Someone came into my office and said, what do you think about that email? And I had time. So, you know, when I said I had time, you know, it went down. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Let me bend your air. Let me tell you what I I had time. (laughs) And she was not ready. Okay. She was not ready. She asked the question she didn't want the answer to, but she had to take it. Please. (laughs) Yeah. Look, so, so I I can tell this conversation is going to go on for more than a half hour. So I'm going to take a break after you jump into this. But when you, when you, um, now that you've made that shift, what kind of feedback are you getting? It's really interesting. So people are, are well right now because there's hardly anybody in the office because people are working from home uh-huh. but the ones that are that are here and then you also seen some of my replies to emails i got asked to be on a diversity yeah. council and i was like yeah no i'm not singing i'm not going to put emotional energy mm-hmm. into singing kumbaya with you when i don't see this as being right real change so people are seeing that yep. so now people are kind of looking at me and like mm. okay Wow. And I have people. Th- Wait, what do you mean? What, looking at you? Well, side some of them like, like I didn't know that that's because they don't know me. So, like, okay, I'm Dr. Walker. I come in here, I do my stuff. Then I go home. Now, right. all of a sudden, they're because my students cannot be my Facebook friends. And a lot of the staff right. here, I'm not Facebook friends with them because I don't want to. So people are starting, right. are looking, saying, wow, they didn't know that people like me really existed. Because mm. most of the time in these settings, they say they see the ones that are, you know, I'm just going to be quiet. I'm not going to ruffle any feathers. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to mm-hmm. just show up, go home and do whatever. And so now that I'm standing up, I mean, and people are, are, are seeing it, they're hearing it. It's all out there now. All of a sudden, it's like, wow, cool. This is great. This is great. Oh, really? This is great. Okay. So it's a positive reaction. It's stuff I'm not seeing because they're not, because there's very few people that will go toe to toe with me here because I'm not a stupid person. I'm not a stupid person. So, you know, and I always tell my students, you need to bring your A game. You can disagree with me, but bring your A game because I will always have mine. So, yeah, yeah, um, I think people are like, wow, they didn't expect it because they're not used to being around people that are in your face. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so and so. So if you had to summarize on a professional level. Is there a level now of listening or just the level of who knew she was just as pissed off as the rest of these people? I, think, I mean, I mean, is it more like 
like, you know, but Dr. Walker, you're a doctor. So what do you have to be pissed yes. off? Or is there it was more some, like- there's always some of that coming from uh-huh. blacks and whites too. But now it's uh-huh. um, because there's nobody here, really. All the this stuff has been happening through emails. So I think, you know, and they've yeah. gotten emails and there's been no replies to these emails because I ask pointed questions like, what are you going to do? to make sure that black people ah. on this campus are, are feeling, you know, safe and all this. So I'm asking the questions. I'm not, I am no longer just going to be on, on diversity committees for anyone just to, for a photo. Right. Op. That's over. Yep. Right. And so when you ask the question, it's, it's, it's crickets, right. no, right. no answer. Crickets. Because I don't, because nobody, <laughs> nobody was expecting that. Right. They thought you were going to take the little uh, pandering and, and smile and the pat on the head and go back to the business as right. usual. We do our oppressive extractive thing and you just take the, the extra benefits you're getting and be grateful yes. because you got a leg, a leg up on top of the system that we built to right. oppress everybody else. The level of cognitive dissonance is crazy in this country. It's just so interesting to watch. Look, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I want to get into the solution phase of, you know, what's next. Um, uh, and, and so people take a, take a coffee break and then join us back in a few seconds. Okay, we're back from the break with uh, the doctor extraordinaire who has uh, decided that she's going to now be ratchetemic. Uh, that's my favorite term. <laughs> I didn't make it up. So I stole it from somebody. Was but I, I utilize that term to describe me because the Bronx will come out and it will supplant the Yale education every time if I wanted to, and then I'll just smoothly slip back into the ivory tower if I need to. And my guest here, she apparently has mastered that. She was just saying that you better bring your A game. So <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me ask you something. What, um, you know, you talked to someone who had actually the air of an ancestor on a first name basis. Yes. But if you had to go back and speak to any ancestor and I already know that you want to be Angela. So maybe that's who it is. She's, She's still, still alive. alive so. I know. <laughs> she, she might say, hold up now. I ain't an ancestor yet. But if you could talk to any ancestor, who, who would you talk to and them? I'm going to say, I mean, there's so many. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Josephine Baker. Nice. Why Josephine? Because she was that in your face. I am who I am. I'm not afraid of that. And you don't like me over here. I'm going to France, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Yes. And did it with style and class and crushed it. Yeah. So your what would your question to her be? I'm sorry? What would oh. your question to her be? What was the driving force? Uh-huh. I think it's probably just, yeah. as, you know, she was just breathing it and she didn't have a choice. 
but I'm just curious, mm-hmm. like, what was it? And then also I'd like to know, like, what was it that she did that she was most proud of? Wow. That's the, I, I love that. And, and, you know, it's some other people have that driving force. Like, how did you push through mm-hmm. seems to be a common theme of people uh, in my, one of the first couple of podcasts, I talked to four young people, they formed a group called unmuted. And when I asked uh, two of the four who they would talk to, they said the formerly enslaved people, like, how did they make it through the mm. day? What motivated them? push through. So, you know, it's funny. It's interesting. <laughs> I'm seeing a theme here that we as black folks, we're constantly evolving, but it's almost like we don't have the luxury of not thinking about how to survive right. either. So we reach back. That's the question. How do you survive? And that, that should say a lot about what our damn reality is. You know, if that's what you have to ask. It is. Wow. Yeah. So, so let's, let's push forward. Let's, let's pretend that we're talking to future generations. Well, you do all the time in your pieces of education. What words do you have for them? And not specifically to how do I cope with this moment of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Maude Aubrey, and just go on down the list, but just in general. I tell all my students that they need to stand up and because people are looking at them and it's, and I had the the great honor of having a class that was five black men. And that has never happened to me before. And that was such a gift to me to actually sit down with them and have, and and one of them is about my age, but the rest of them were significantly younger, but to have conversations about what keeps them up at night, what do they do? What don't they do? Um, not just about survival, but just about being comfortable in your own skin. And I would say, learn to be comfortable in your own skin, but also learn to be uncomfortable. Because a lot of times when I walk and I move in spaces, I'm uncomfortable, but I stay anyway. Because it's all about making it better for the people that come behind me. Right. Like, like Angela Davis said, the work we do today is the terrain for future generations to stand exactly. on. Exactly. And so, so what kinds of things are, are the, are the, are the men sharing with you? Uh, like how to navigate in, in predominantly white spaces, um, how to be the men that they want their daughters to, you know, to look at when, when they're of dating age or marriage age, how to how hmm. dump some of the stereotypes or move amongst the stereotypes that that are placed on them. Hmm. How, like I had one young man, he is, I don't know, like six, four, and he's like, three. Yeah. he's like huge. And he says, when I walk yeah. in the room, automatically, everybody's like fearful. Like he goes, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how do I disarm that? How do I use, you know, that to my advantage? So he says, so I tell a lot of jokes. I smile a lot. So I'm like this gentle giant kind of thing. So he's coming out of himself to make the people in in the room feel comfortable. Wow. So it's things like that. that, (laughs) That is so like crazy that our men have to diminish themselves 
in order to fit in. And you know, it's it's crazy because it, it, it bleeds into the queer community because my last guest is a black gay male. And he literally said that. He literally said that he knows he's favored because when people see him, he's like, oh, it's just me. And I said, so why do you think that is that you have that 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 Teflon that that this narrative doesn't stick to you? And he literally said it's because I'm gay and and people don't see me as a threat. And so then you get a straight male who will be furious at a black gay male for no other reason other than white America will not let the straight male be his six foot four, 300 pound powerful self. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how they, I just, I mean, it just hit me again. So many ways that racism just is like a snake eating its own tail. Exactly. And it destroys so much. You know, it's crazy. That, that's just, so when he said that, did all the other men in the room kind of nod in agreement? Yeah, man, that's what you got to do. We know it's, you know a bunch of BS, but hey, do what you got to do. Or did they say, you know what? I'm done with this like you. I'm done with making you feel comfortable. Did they say that? they were. Or did they feel like they were able to? And they're significantly younger. So they Uh they were like, yeah, well, that's how it is. And I said, but it's not how it should be. And then somebody said that the only time that they're respected or if they're in some kind of uniform. So it's either a professional athlete's uniform um, that that mm-hmm. people were like, oh, yeah, we, you know, you want them when they're basketball players, football players, baseball players. Right. But any other time, right. it's not acceptable. And they're, and then, right. and they're okay. So assume- and they're, it's, they're okay with you being in a prison uniform, too. So, right. yeah. Yeah, or if you're in a suit, then you're somewhat respectable. And then that's the other thing my last guest said. He said, you know, he's in banking and finance, so he's wearing a suit. So now all of a sudden you, yeah, it's, wow. And, you know, every time there's a conversation about one of our our people that gets killed, it's always about, and they were good, and they were kind, and they weren't threatening, and they didn't look like a criminal. So even when we're murdered, we have to justify the fact that we were moving through the world in a shrunken, mm-hmm. less than way. And then they always go, and like, well, he had a criminal background. So they go and they try to sully the, the victim and yet when and right. but when it's a white person, they talk about, well, he had such a promising future. He could have done this. Right. You know, the perpetrator is white, but he could have done this. He could have done that. But yeah, it's just. Yeah. And then I'm also teaching it's, my it's, students it's, that you have to pay attention to that because before they weren't. And then I when I pointed it out, they're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And like when you look at commercials, yeah. like how are commercials? And I've taught women and gender studies. And again, with women. You know, how are women being portrayed? Look at these commercials, like, especially during the Super Bowl, the right. Super Bowl. Like, look at these commercials during the right. Super Bowl. And now my students are like, oh, whoa. And I mean, I get emails now saying, right. you know, I saw this commercial and I thought about you and I kn- I thought about the conversation we would have. And they're telling me like how they're uh-huh. taking this forward into their, you know, when some of them have graduated, they've moved on. But that what they've learned is just following them throughout their lives. And I am so honored that that 
happens. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. People don't realize how much uh, social engineering and marketing affects them. Like, for instance, I was at the gym one day and just on the TV screen, this McDonald's commercial came up. And in 30 seconds, it's crazy how much they packed into this commercial. Literally, they had a a black woman and a, a, a young boy, obviously her son, slightly overweight. And he's holding up a sneaker and smiling. And I'm not going to go into the, all, all the verbiage, but the message was that she saved him enough money buying Happy Meals at McDonald's so that she could buy him the sneaker. And in 30 seconds, I mean, they, they, they promoted the, the single motherhood, the, 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 the promotion of material ac- you know, acquisition, uh, eating unhealthy food, being overweight and Supporting an institution that's in your community 24-7, 365, seven days a week, claiming to be on your side while promoting all this crazy stuff. And people people wouldn't even get it. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's just the way things are. And that's what Black folks value, and that's what they're about. And Black folks would suck that in. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we should be doing. And people say, it's just a commercial. Don't make it so deep. But you, we are programmed. I don't understand why we don't get it, but I think it's because we see it a lot. And I think that in our minds, when we see it, that's what we think we're supposed to be as well. When, if there's no narrative that says the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I I feel like it's, it's it's incumbent upon us if we have a voice that even though it might, people might say, oh, you're being over the top. You know, at a moment like this, all those people that were screaming that there's something wrong, now you see. Uh, but you should not have to have eight minutes and 46 seconds of murder in to see what we've been telling you is out there. So, you know, I'm so glad you are in a position where you inspire young people and I'm really glad, and you know, <laughs> between you and me, that you have decided not to be quiet um, anymore and go along to get along. So let me ask you this. If you had to paint a picture about the world 200 years from now, I, like I said, I had started at 100 years, but uh, let's go 200 years into the future when none of us are still alive, presumably. What would you want the world to look like for Black folks? I would want there to be opportunity to be hope and aspiration for them to be whatever, whomever, love whomever, do whatever, be whatever they wanted to be. I would like them, there not to be this, this, wage gap i would like there not to be segregated housing or you know public housing that they're relegated to i would like there to be home loans go to everybody um 
if, if you need a loan or just opportunity, the ability to mm -hmm. thrive, you know, what is it? Um, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that's not infringed right. upon because of the color of their skin. Right. Man, you know, and as we've been fighting for that forever. So what's next on your plate? Well, I was, I did something that I had never done before. Um, one of my friends has uh, an online yoga teacher training. So she asked me to create uh -huh. a social justice module. So I did a, a module on racism and how it contributes to the oh. world of yoga. So I'm real excited about uh -huh. that. So I would like to do wow. more things like, you know, more things like that. And then I also want to do um, another kind of run series, but make it uh -huh. in the going to civil rights towns or maybe the lesser known civil rights towns and running through there. And uh -huh. I want to call it like a hundred miles of gratitude and run through these towns and just talk about what I'm feeling as I'm running through these towns that I would not have been able to run through you know, years ago. That is dope. I love that. And actually, you know, when we finish this up, I'm going to connect you with three young sisters that are putting together a, a run, a justice run um, where they want people to come from different parts of the city and then congregate in one spot to try to, I guess, visually create that image that we're coming from this from every single angle, but we're moving together. Yes. And so I see a synergy right now with uh, what you're talking about with what they want to do. So um, once we hang this up, we're going to get back on the phone and talk about something. Okay. okay? <laughs> I love it. I love how uh, the universe puts people in the right time in the right place. Is there anything else you want to share before we, we, we head out? No, I think that's good. I just appreciate the opportunity to share my wisdom and add my voice to the collection. Yes, ma'am. You know, um, I want to see what, uh, I feel like this new uh, approach that you have is going to open a bunch of doors. And um, I don't know who's going to walk through those doors, but I kind of want to see where you are a year from now after you kicked down a few <laughs> doors and made people uncomfortable. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm all for sharing the, the experience. I, if I have to move through this world in an uncomfortable fashion, I'll be damned if you're going to sit on the cushion float down the river. So yeah, I hear you. let's all together, honey. Um, yeah. All right. Well, peace and power, everybody. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you on the next episode. Peace.